Turn it up. Turn it up. We are ready to go on Ingle Radio, the podcast. You guys remember the uh, the old band Autograph and Turn Up the Radio? It's 1980s. Awesome song. I actually looked into using their music for my podcast uh, for the opening. It was going to cost around 15 grand for the royalties, so I, uh, I went beyond that and uh, just used some, uh, some stock music. But uh, yeah, great song, Turn Up the Radio by Autograph. And we're going to turn it up on Ingle Radio, the podcast. A lot to get to today. We're going to bounce around like 48-year-old goalies backing up in the American Hockey League, a retirement of a legendary goaltender in the National Hockey League, uh, the uh, disappointment of an NHL netminder being pulled and uh, another NHL goaltender being shut down. Just a, a few of the uh, storylines uh, for us. And our feature interview this week is a fantastic one. Boy, is she honest. Anne-Renee Debian. Uh, Team Canada going through the shutdown of the World Championships, but then gets into her past and her career path and some amazing uh, experiences that you will not believe she had to endure. Her and her family had to endure. And the gear segment uh, this week is the Eflex 5 5.9 line. And Cam is uh, in a unique position uh, this week with Woody. But to hear the co-founders of InGoal Magazine, as I ramble on and on and on, uh, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Uh, there's a ton to get to in the stretch drive of the professional hockey season, uh, less than two weeks ago in the NHL regular season. I was waiting for, speaking of rambling on, here's Kevin. Speaking of rambling on. <laughs> well, how about, how, about, how about we start with the e-bugs? Because, of course, there are no e-bugs, which means, of course, there was a need for e-bugs. As you mentioned, Freddie Brathwaite uh, filling in for the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, backing up, let me tell you, like, did that get a little bit of attention? I think it went a little viral because he was still wearing that Atlanta Thrashers mask from his two years in that organization, even though, as you pointed out, never played a game there. Um, never played a game. I, I was scrambling because I work uh, the Golden Knights game on Saturday. I work all the Golden Knights games, but I was working the Golden Knights game on Saturday when this story erupted and he had the mask on. And Darren Elliott, uh, Olympic team goaltender, National Hockey League goaltender. We were going back and forth, and Darren Elliott said, that's an Atlanta Thrasher mask, because Elliott worked for the Atlanta Thrashers. And I looked it up, and he hadn't played for the Atlanta Thrashers, and I was confused. What the heck was going on? And you sorted it out for me. Well, he did play some preseason games with the Thrashers. He was in their org when he came back from Russia the first time in 06, 07, and 07, 08. So he was in the organization, but played all his games with their affiliate the Chicago Wolves. It was Johan Hedberg and him came in the same time. Nice. And it was Yo who uh, sort of won that backup spot uh, behind Kari Lettinen. Uh, we actually, we should have had Uka Pekka Lukanen on to, just to say Kari Lettinen's name for us this week. Kari Lettinen. So good. Um, so good. But speaking of so good, like, so Freddie goes out there, does the backup, told me the next morning he's a little sore. Um, also, Kate comes off the ice. And this is this is Freddie. Like, didn't realize what a big deal it would be, right? Two hundred and seventy-five text messages when he gets off the ice, and he's kind of like, "What the heck? like? What the hell?" And of course, the fact he was wearing the Thrashers helmet, like spitting chicklets, picks it up. Now all of a sudden, he's telling me the the players think he's cool because he's been on he's, on he's been featured on the Spit and Chicklets social media, and yeah, you know, I was I was, uh, I was joking. So he gets room cred. He gets room cred he, with the with the boys. He got a little street cred with the kids. You know that's what you got to do when you're 48 years old. And how about the gear? Like I didn't know what I was more incredulous about that Freddie had a pair of pads that weren't 12 inches wide, or that uh, they made intermediate sizes in pro specs. So <laughs> I, I I gave him a little bit of a 
a tickle on that one. He uh, he responded in kind. So chirp fest all around. It was good times. And hey, but like, and then in the, the same night as that's happening in Vegas or in Henderson, here in Vancouver, I'm covering the game with the Ottawa Senators that saw Artem Anisimov, a, a forward with 770 career NHL games playing up front, get dressed as the emergency backup goaltender for the Ottawa Senators. We were joking in Vancouver because Fred's brother Rod works for the Canucks. Um, mm. We were joking that maybe we could get Rod back in the gear and we could have had a all Brathwaite emergency buggy evening in the in the National Hockey League and American Hockey League. And Crazy then what night. do you think of uh, Anise Mob's butterfly? I saw a couple of uh, little little videos of him going down. Okay. He looked like a forward trying to play goal. <laughs> Hey, and then the Canucks were only one injury away from Woody having to suit up as well, weren't well, they? Well, that was, but that was, they were gone by then. And the reality is they'd never invite me to do that because they know how bad I am. But yeah, I was they trying were, to be nice were, there. I was trying to lobby was, a softball, Woody. Yeah. Come on. I know. I, you know me, facts only on this podcast. By the time they were down to two goalies, they were already in Ottawa. So um, I didn't get that opportunity. I would have liked the opportunity for Ottawa to just go in and be the e-bug there. But no outside e-bugs this year. It was interesting to hear their coach, DJ Smith, explain the decision-making process. Um, a lot of people would have assumed it was Zach Burke, their new goaltending coach, would be the e-bug. But as uh, DJ explained after the game, three hip surgeries post-career and also an ear issue from a shot off the mask at one point during his career. So he was not an option. Uh, evidently, GM Pierre Dorian played a little goal at one of the Christmas skates and was considered. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was considered at one point for the job. So uh, I thought Anisimov did it. I loved it. Anton Forsberg in there showing him how to put the gear on, the butterfly drops, everything. It was uh, it was it was a fun night, largely because we didn't like that conversation changes if he gets into the game. Right. It goes from being a fun story to, uh oh, like we're at this stage story if he actually ends up playing for for the senators i think it just becomes a another layer of the covid era like can you believe that happened like any other time you're like that's embarrassing but uh this time around ah, it's just the covid era. everything gets a pass right now doesn't it yeah exactly yeah. hey before we get to, to into the other subjects if freddie uh does need some some new gear you can go over to the hockey shop the hockeyshop.com source for sports surrey i was good that's a perfect transition because it doesn't matter whether you do need uh, and we'll talk about that later in this podcast with Anne renee debian the importance hutch knows full well of uh senior size uh equipment with intermediate size palms mm-hmm. um or if you need intermediate pads in pro spec or whatever custom order, whatever pro level pad you need, or if it's just something off the rack, the latest, the greatest, and sales on past generations can all be found at thehockeyshop.com. Uh, we've been running through a lot of that new stuff, a lot of CCM over the past couple of weeks because their launch is official. We've got a lot of Bauer gear coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, that you'll definitely want to stay tuned to the podcast for, for the gear segment with Cam and the Hockey Shop. But you're also going to want to stay tuned to thehockeyshop.com. Uh, and if you are blessed enough to live here in the Lower Mainland, check them out in person because there are some really exciting lines and not just at the pro level. Um, we're going to talk about that next level down with CCM this week in the gear segment, the 5.9, with some really exciting things from other brands as well, uh, including Bryant's, uh, with, with, uh, with an optic version at the lower price point and Bauer with a three X pad that frankly does not seem to be that much short of a lot of pro level pads for half the price. So 
to sort of sort those things out, because it's always a question that people ask, like, when do I need the pro? When yeah. can I get away with the other? If it's your, your kids are growing up and, and coming through the ranks or even beer leaguers. Um, Cam's the guy to ask because he'll give you an honest answer. I've been in the store before when parents have come in wanting to spend money on the latest, greatest kid needs the ultimate protection. And I've watched Cam fit the kid and say, you know what? He's not quite there yet. I think you should stick with what you have or try this lower level model. This is too big for him and it will impede um, his performance. Honest answers. I've watched it happen. When you could just make a sale, Cam wants to make sure your kid or yourself is just playing in gear that is going to suit their game, their size, their style, and allow them to perform at their best. That's why we go to the hockey shop, and that's why you should shop at the hockey shop, Source for Sports, or thehockeyshop.com. One of the great backplates in goaltending has been its Miller time. And Ryan Miller of the Anaheim Ducks, uh, winning his goaltender in uh, uh, winning his U.S. born goaltender uh, in the NHL, has announced his retirement. Uh, just a couple of reflections from uh, Hutch and Woody. Well, what a what an incredible career, and it's been a privilege for all of us to be able to uh, to watch uh, Ryan Miller play from the days in Buffalo, uh, obviously here in Vancouver with us, and uh, finishing off his his career now in in California. And uh, really happy for him and everything that he accomplished over the years and glad that we got to watch a guy who, you know, loves the position as much as anybody. And of course, Woody can talk about his experiences and and chit-chatting. And I think our friends at the hockey shop uh, might even come into that conversation as well. But, uh, you know, one of the, it's, it's I got to bring in my goalie dad thing here every time we talk about something, boys. But uh, for me, one of the great memories was um, having my son at a Canucks practice. Um, uh, I, we were a guest of another organization that kindly invited us and uh, we were watching, uh, well, it was Tampa. We were watching the Tampa guys practice, but then, then the Canucks session, um, I, I remember just seeing a bit of work going down in the end where we were watching and then out in the other end of the ice skated Ryan Miller, um, no coach, and uh, just took to the crease all on his own, nobody else down in that end. And he started just working through some very basic crease movement drills. Uh, on a game day and uh, it gave me the opportunity to point to my son who was sort of at that age at the time where uh, they think I already know how to do that and uh, I pointed down there and I said you see see what he's doing right there I think we were doing that on the ice a couple days ago weren't we Um, NHL goaltenders working through the basics because they know that's what's going to make them better and uh, nobody is too good to to focus on the basics so I I really enjoyed that little moment with him but but Woody I know you've I uh, had some great experiences with Ryan over the years. Yeah, no, and he's been a guest on the podcast. I'd highly recommend going back and finding the episode. I don't have it in front of me in terms of the number, but search it out. We'll post it on social we'll media today. Yeah, because he's um, he was just, you know, and, and not surprisingly, just fantastic. Um, it's funny you mentioned the mast, Aaron, and the slogan, right? Because, of course, me and Hutch got started together with Ingle, uh, you know, sort of, we met each other and sort of started working together for the first time at those 2010 Olympics. And one of the storylines around goaltending uh, was the mask, which of course, back in the day, Hutch would get all these masks exclusively at ingolmag.com. Nobody was else was really seeking them out. The artists were sending them to him ahead of time. And that slogan, Miller Time, actually got gonged by the Olympic Committee, and he had to remove it from his mask because it was seen as, you know, obviously, the beer and uh, it could be seen as a commercial uh, thing, even though we all knew it was about his last name. So um, just uh, 
you know, so that story, but the other one to me that jumps out is I remember when the, you know, obviously he spent three years here with the Vancouver Canucks. And when he signed here, there was a lot of questions about how he would handle this market and this media attention. Because the reputation he came with from Buffalo, obviously the short stint in St. Louis, uh, sort of failed trade deadline experiment there, um, was, was as a little bit prickly. And I remember doing media here in Vancouver on the radio talking about how that just had never been my experience. And, that, and maybe that's because when I talked to him, we were talking about the position specifically. Um, but I think a lot of other people in Vancouver came to see it my way. Uh, and that they just had nothing but praise for the professionalism, the way he stood in and answered tough questions here during a tough transition time for the team, you know, sort of away from the Luongo era and, you know, a team that was on the rise and competing to a rebuild that he was a part of here. Uh, he just handled everything so professionally and, and, and with class. And so, you know, I, I, I was of the opinion that the reputation earned in Buffalo was perhaps unfair. And I think he showed that here in Vancouver to all the rest of the media. I've seen a lot of that same sort of sentiment echoed here on social media in Vancouver since this retirement announcement today. And the other one that that jumps out to me is, of course, when he left, I sent a text message um, when he signed with the Ducks just to say thanks. Um, for all the time and for putting up with all, because you can imagine, you guys have to deal with me talking. Imagine having to deal with this as a professional athlete, asking these questions all the time and all the annoying little details. He handled all the time. And he, his response was, no, at least he just liked the fact that I cared to find out the right answer, that I wanted to know more. And if you wanted to know more and truly understand his thinking, about the position, about the way the game was flowing around him, he had all the time in the world to sit down and explain it to you in very well thought out and deep, insightful terms. And that's what I always appreciate about him. Because I know, like, believe me, I like guys get tired of me asking them questions all the time back in the day when we're allowed in the locker room. And Ryan always stood in there and took the time to be, you know, like I said, thoughtful, insightful, truly explain the process, the blockers, right? Like we still see them in the CCM blocker. People ask why. Well, one of the things is it's got that zipper in the back. You can just take the blocker board out and he would replace his blocker board on a regular basis. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was curious and explained to me, like, look at how much damage is there. You need it to be, so you need to replace it and have it crisp and fresh and pucks will always come off the same way. So just one of countless examples of him taking the time to explain something that I just, you know, I, I don't think other people would have bothered just to to sort of explain in that detail. Well, he would. He was a foam guy in his pads. He yeah. would rip apart pads and and have everything all, all over the place trying to compare it. And they, those those stories are uh, probably a little exaggerated, but I'm not sure by how much or not much at all. Like he was, you know, his gear went home with him, and he did some of the sewing and the stitching and the rep, repair work and stuff like that. Like he was, he was very again. We've talked, used this example before. You don't have to be Ichiro Suzuki with your bats in a humidor to make sure the temperature and, and, and you know, the air is controlled around them, but you need to understand your equipment. Ryan Miller understood his equipment and made sure that it worked for his game throughout his career. Ryan Miller, I uh, saw a post that said he was the top goaltender in the NCAA, in the American Hockey League, in the National Hockey League, and in the Olympic Games, the only person to ever do that. 
and I may be forgetting. I don't know whether he was top goaltender at a world championship or not, but uh, but those others, that's incredible that's being the top goaltender at all those levels or, or tournaments. Uh, wild. So wish him the uh, the best of luck. Uh, uh, another guy that's going to take his place uh, down the line uh, as uh, as probably USA's top goaltender at the Olympic Games, if the National Hockey League does go there, is Connor Hellebuck. And uh, we know what Ryan Miller did in in 2010. So if Connor Hellebuck is there in 2022 next year, uh, beware whoever's coaching that team. Uh, make sure that you're working with them if you're going to take him out of a game. Because Connor wasn't very happy last week when he was pulled from a game uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, no, not happy at all. And listen, like I like that he's honest enough about his feelings that he's going to tell you. Yeah. Right? Like he's not going to just, it. you know, mask it to him. And there's a mindset thing here. Whether he thought he was on or off that night didn't matter. Whether yeah. he thought he had his fastball or not to him didn't matter. It wasn't about that. It was that it was a 3-2 game, and he wanted the chance to continue to battle with his teammates right. in that 3-2 game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so, you know, there's, you know, we had that article this week at uh, ingoalmag.com for premium subscribers with Chris Dreger. It's kind of a two-parter. The first part was about the importance of never stop battling in practice. And part two was sort of how do you recognize in those drills that absolutely suck for goaltenders, and we all know them. They exist right up to the NHL. How do you find something to work on so you're not just tuning out? And Rene Debian uh, talks about that as well this week. And I thought at a different level, that was an example of it. Like it's not always about feeling great and just, you know, being at your best, it's about finding ways to compete and showing your teammates that you want to be in that fire with them, even when you're not at your best. And to me, that's all I took out of Connor Hellebuck was I wanted to still compete with my teammates out there. And I was upset. I was, I was not afforded that opportunity. I think it's a, a case where Hutch, Paul Maurice and Connor are probably both right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's the coach's responsibility to do what he can to get the most out of his team, the thing that he thinks is right for his team uh, today. Um, but Connor is a, a number one goaltender in the National Hockey League, or, or frankly, at any level, I think a number one goaltender wants to to be the guy, to be the gal, to be the person that uh, takes their team even in the tough moments. You don't want to you don't want to pull yourself out. Um, uh, what about you guys? Is there is let let's go to let's go to beer league time. Is there a time that you wish you could just sort of throw in the towel and and leave a game, or do you want to be there till the bitter end? Well, think about that. How many times have you struggled in a in a men's league game and then ended up having a great second half or and and pulled out the win and all is forgotten from the terrible first ten minutes? And that that might be what Connor, in a weird way, is talking about. Well, or how about the, like that, it probably is what he's talking about. How about the other side of it? I'll admit to this. Like how many times have you been in a game as a, at a beer league level or dropping or whatever, or weekly skates and it's just not going and you maybe don't fight through it and it continues to slide and you're not battling. And, and how do you feel afterwards? Like, mm -hmm. do you, even if in that moment you're just pissed at everything that's going around and you're in front of you and you're mad because guys aren't where they're supposed to be and you're all, fired up because you know it's not maybe it's not your or you're actually letting your mind go to where it's ah oh, that wasn't all on me ever get out of that game look back at it 20 minutes or two hours later and go wow like what, what was i doing like how could i give up like that i've i, I think we've 
at a beer league Sounds level, like you have. Yeah, I've I've definitely felt that, and you know what? You regret it every time. I have a I have a Woody esque solution because you're on a beer league team. Of course, you're the only goaltender. There's nobody sitting on the bench who can rescue you. So what do I do when I feel like I need to pull myself? I just pull my stick. I go get the other stick. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, it's quite literally. That's how to, I pull the. That's how I pull the goalie. I think that's a Woody esque solution. I mean, it's not a practice stick I'm going to or a warm up stick, but. It's just another game stick, but uh, do you, what else do you can you do? Bench? Woody would do probably tear? just go into the dressing room and switch from one brand of gear to another brand of gear yes. and just come out for the next period because he, he does tend to show up with two or three bags full of gear every time I'm told. You ever, uh, you ever, you ever light them up? You ever light up the the bench? Light up the boys when you go switch that stick, or is it all just personal reflection? No, at that point? the only time I've ever gotten angry because look, everybody's just out there to have fun, and I do things I shouldn't do. Uh, go play the puck. I never, at times I never should, cause it's fun. And that's all the guys are doing out there. The only time I really get upset is if there's a breakaway and then you make the save and then the trailing guy gets to pick up the rebound and yeah. score because all your boys just decided, Hey, let's see how the breakaway goes. And they, I'm not going to name any other players who might act this way in the national hockey league, but, uh, you know, they want to see oh. the results. So that, that drives me. I'd rather nuts. know that. I'd rather know your buddies that do yeah. that. <laughs> I, I don't care about anybody in the NHL. I want to call out your buddies yeah. uh, over on the island that that do that. I'll plead the fifth on this one, and just uh, move on to uh, to Carter Hart. Uh, he's been he's been shut down. Uh, probably, probably the best thing for the entire situation, uh, whether or not he's hurt or not, just to try and rinse this as much as as they can. What do you think, Hutch? Yeah, I think that's a great perspective, Darren. Um... I don't know what a better solution would be because he's, it's had, as you say, a, a very forgettable season, one that I'm sure he is excited to, to move on from. And if I, if he's the person that I think he is, I'm sure he's excited to sort of cleanse, as you say, and then get back to work and, and think about what next year is going to be like, because he is a bit of a no stone unturned uh, personality. Um, so you feel bad for him that there's an injury here and that that's the way the season likes to end, has to end because I have a feeling back to the Connor Hellebuck discussion, guys, he'd probably like to battle it out to the end. I'm sure he doesn't yeah. want to walk away, but, uh, but I think his mind's going a million miles 100%, an hour too. Yeah. And as there you go, there's the, there's the organization versus the individual thing as well. It probably is best to shut him down. And, um, but, but it's a, it's a tough way to, to end a tough year for him. Well, and the other thing too, is, uh, if it's an MCL, as they said, um, you know, let's be honest, there's when you can return. And there's when you're actually better. And, you know, going back to Ryan Miller, I remember the year where he and an MCL strain is essentially or sprain is essentially a small degree tear. It's a lesser degree tear of the MCL. He was out. Eddie Lack came in, posted like a 921 and helped the Canucks get to the playoffs. Ryan became an option in the playoffs and eventually played in that first round series against the Calgary Flames because he'd recovered enough in a four to six week period to return to the ice. But I remember being on the ice with him and Alex Ald in like August and having a long conversation about the process back. And it wasn't until July, August that the knee was actually healed. So there's being able to come back and there's actually being healthy. And with an MCL, they are not usually the same thing. A lot of goalies will come back from it, but then go through the entire summer of rehab before they feel back to normal and back to 100%. And if that's what we're talking about here and given the season and all the other things why not let him get back to 100 percent and 
The other part there is that it, you know, if you keep hearing around that team, you, you just, you're starting to wonder if they got the solution internally and maybe it's time to step away, take a breather before you attack it again with Carter and, and try to get him back to the form he showed in that, those first couple of seasons and, you know, all the way up to that point. I haven't heard of any changes to the National Hockey League voting uh, format for year-end awards, but uh, not this week, but uh, next week, once we get through the regular season in the, the North Division, whenever that's going to happen. But uh, once we get through the, the regular season, I would like uh, us uh, and the entire Ingle family to declare the top goaltenders from each of the four divisions and might give us a better idea of, of where the Vesna voting is going to go. But, uh, but each, each division can sh- and should be on its own this year judged individually, and then you can whittle it down. What do you guys think? I think that's the Millard plan, isn't it? I think the league should be yeah. going with it 100%. Um, the fact that you're playing within your division and not across, I, I, I don't understand how you could exclude one. And yeah, I look forward to the uh, in-goal central discussion here. Well, I will provide the clear sight analytics breakdowns to let us truly weigh goalie performance relative to team performance so that we can really attack this properly and and give it a fully educated thought. Unfortunately, uh, I can tell you right now that the winners only one statistic really matters, and that's going to be the big old W's um, because it's not smart goalie people that vote on the award. It's general managers, as Brian Burke said recently, why do why would we get it? We get goaltending wrong as much as anyone. Why do we decide on this award? So um, I, one of the few, t- I will agree with Brian on that one, but yeah. So look for wins for who will win it and look for us to tell you who probably should, because they're not usually the same or not always the same. Let's put it that way. Which division do you think will be the toughest to determine a winner? Oh God. East. You know what? I, you know what? You put me on the spot so much yeah. that I actually have to pull it up to figure out what, Who's in so what division. Exactly. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Because I'm so locked into the North, I'm trying to think of where the other does, candidates. Does that not just not that not tell the story right there on how difficult it's going to be to pick a winner in all the categories beyond Connor uh, with the Hart Trophy because he's going to have a hundred points and he's going to be so far ahead of everybody else. But uh, like trying to pick a Norris, trying to pick a, a Selkie, trying to pick uh, some of these awards when people haven't been able to. Uh, not only watch a lot because you're so dialed into your own division, like I'm in the West, uh, I watch more West division hockey than, than anything else, uh, but uh, you haven't been able to see these other players in person at all either. And I, I think that uh, that speaks to it. And, and the pause by Woody is an example of that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I did have to look it up to, and then you're right. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And I don't, the, the funny thing is like, you know, you talk about who would be the candidate in the East, and I'm like, I'm not sure there is a goalie in the East that jumps out to me that should be, right. you know, in that conversation. Might be the most difficult one. Uh, in in the in the North, uh, I think there's some equally challenging decisions to be made there. I'm hearing a lot of Mike Smith talk. Not that he's going to mm-hmm. win the award. Not that he should win the award. That he, that he should be in that conversation as a finalist. Obviously, Connor Hellebuck before the recent dip was starting to wake, make his way into that conversation statistically. Interestingly enough, before their COVID break, Thatcher Demko statistically absolutely should have been in that conversation. And, and maybe with a strong surge, <laughs> probably not going to get you know into the finalist category, but maybe he gets into the conversation. Interestingly enough, 
with a season that isn't scheduled to end till May 19th, well after the playoffs have actually begun for others. So, you know, there's three that could be in the conversation there. Vasilevsky, obviously, in the Central. And to me, it's still Flower in the West. And and again, frankly, um, the gap in the public numbers between Vasilevsky and Flower have shrunk. And in the private numbers, Fleury has remained on top throughout. So I think that this will end up being Andre but I'm not necessarily 100% sure that it, sh- like not saying it shouldn't be, but the argument for Marc-Andre Fleury is a lot stronger than I think a lot of people that are going to get to choose realize. Uh, Florida's had a great season, but you don't hear Bobrovsky or Dreger. Uh, Dreger's, Dreger's got some great numbers, but you don't, you don't hear that, right? Uh, as, as much, unless I have earphones on and, and have the noise canceling. But... And, Feel free to, no, to you're right. say that that is different. Uh, and Carolina's got the three-headed uh, goaltending that y- you can't pick one out of that group uh, yeah, to, well, to be a Vesna. The interesting thing statistically is the only one that actually would jump off the charts out of that group when you adjust the numbers. And again, the, um, Alex Nadelkovic, his raw numbers that you see published look like Vesna candidate stuff. But when you actually adjust the numbers for shot quality, the only guy that jumps out is Mrazek. And he hasn't played anywhere near enough games to be in that conversation. So in a couple of weeks, we'll give you the uh, the Vesna winner from each division, and then we'll put them all together. How about five foot ten UC Soros? How about it? Yeah, but the first half, just hey, they were so buried. Recency I know Andre, Andre, Andre Vasilevsky's first half last year was in the forties in the league for mm. adjusted numbers, and he ended up a finalist. So make of that what you will. Fair. Uh, absolutely fair. I, I'm just looking forward to seeing if we can come up with any type of consensus on on the four and then try to whittle it down. Uh, this week, uh, the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, Source for Sports Surrey, uh, and the gear segment talking about the Eflex 5 5.9. And before we get into this, uh, Woody, can you just give us an idea? Because we last week we did the uh, the Eflex, uh, the new line. Uh, this The 5.9, where, where does that rank? It's a it's just, it's a different line, right? Well, we've done the pro line pads and gloves. We last week, we did the E-Flex five chest protector. Um, this is the next tier down. This is basically your top senior pad level. Um, and it, it exists through intermediate. Uh, you can, and then there are, there's a level below this. So this is sort of your, to me, this is your second tier price point. Um, from a pricing perspective, you're about half of what you're paying for pro gear. Wow. Um, and as we see increasingly through all the brands and Cam will talk about it in this one as well, uh, especially with a spec that he has coming later this month, exclusive to source for sports in the hockey shop, um, that gap between the two is shrinking and shrinking. And so whether it's because you've got a growing kid or you are just not at a level where the shots or the amount of times he's on the ice or she's on the ice requires spending you know, over $2,200 on a set of pads and 3000 with, with gloves. Um, or you're playing beer league and you just, yeah. you don't need it. Like the options at the next price point are really good. And Cam does a really good job of breaking down the differences. Uh, and exactly, you know, you get what you pay for, but sometimes you get a lot better value at this price point than you might expect. It is the gear segment brought to you by Source for Sports, the hockey shop, uh, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, and it is in a different location this week as we turn it back over to Woody and Cam. So 
welcome back to the hockey shop. We're not at the hockey shop source for sports today. On location, we've told you before that Cam Matlib actually gets out in the gear, so we made him dress in his goalie underwear to, to prove it today. Um, he's here to test. He's doing. They're doing some testing, some photos, bunch of lines, um, some second price point stuff, some really ex exciting, exciting second price point stuff. And we're going to start today by talking about the Eflex 5, 5.9. Cam, this is, again, this is sort of your senior level pad, the step below pro. I want you to walk me through some of the specifics, um, the callouts, what is the same, what is different, what are people going to get for, you know, roughly half the price. Yeah, so great value um, is always in a, like an understatement uh, when it ever comes into these uh, middle price point lines. CCM has done a really good job of bringing down a lot of their uh, pro technology down into that mid price point. Uh, being at the same dual light core uh, really adds that structure to that pad. A little bit of a stiffer upper thigh rise in particular, but still having that good flex with it, single break included. You're still getting those molded knee rolls that you see, um, that same HD foam uh, knee roll in that dead center as well. So A, giving it that pro look and just a bit more of a call out. Those flattened out knee rolls, uh, helping to control your rebounds. Uh, a little bit more predictability there as opposed to having them kind of shoot all over the place or die in front of you, uh, potentially with those actual spindle knee rolls. Um, same, similar boot, nice and flexible, still allowing you to get over top, especially in any of those like reverse VH situations, things like that. Um, when you move on to the back of the pad, you're still getting the identical strapping system. As we open it up, so the quick motion rotation strap, Still right there, still your same uh, knee block. Now, before we go a little bit too further, we have this pad, the 5.9, the regular booking 5.9 is in our shop right now. However, I got something better coming. And? Well, you know, I, I usually like to hype things up and you're supposed to say, what's that? Well, let's go. <laughs> I have no time. Our no source time exclusive 5.9 is set to arrive here within the next couple weeks. What's different? Why you should care? First of all, exclusive colorways. Um, something different that you're not going to find really anywhere else um, except for other source of sports and our shop included. What we've done to the pad, which is a nice upgrade. So this knee stack does get a slight bit of a downgrade from the pro pad. We decided to put in something a little bit stiffer, a little bit closer to what you would find in the pro pad. So knee stack upgrade, pea leather down to the bottom of the pad in these high wear zones to help with abrasion. So this will stop, you know, seeing some of that pilling that you normally see. That kind of covers it mostly for the pad because the biggest upgrades I find are in the glove and blocker. So let's talk about the normal ones first and then we'll talk about what's upgraded on our source. Grab that case. glove. All right, 5.9. Regular glove. 600 uh, break is stuck. 600 break, double T. Um, game ready, felt palm, no D3O in this. Really worth it to call out. Um, if you've already been a fan of uh, CCM 4.9 gloves, same similar concept, same break angle, uh, good closure out of the box. They've tried to improve that a little bit more. Um, not as stiff in particular. Okay. Pretty close, yeah. still fresh, I never even baked it. Good overall feel. What's different now? Source exclusive. Biggest call out, D3O Palm. So we basically bought the exact same game ready Palm that you find in the Pro Glove down into the mid-range level. That's our source exclusive SDC 5.9, which you will see here soon. Um, 
overall, I, we believe we did Skate Lace 2 as well. Um, and I believe there's one more change, which I'm going to hold on to because I can't remember exactly what it is. But I'm sure it will come up and be noticeable to everybody once we get there. Blocker. Because you're just lucky I'm not going to hit you with this for forgetting that one. Block is a blocker to a point. However, 5.9 blocker, direct derivative of the E-Flex 5. You still get that uh, HD molded cuff, which is their new piece for this year. Um, still a bit of a thinner blocker bow while maintaining that good pop off of it, uh, off the blocker board itself. Uh, what changes now when we get our SDC? Beyond our uh, improved colorways, we also bring the D3O 0 index finger down from the Pro Glove, which isn't featured on the regular inline glove. Uh, what that is for is that as you're holding that stick, any pucks that are riding up, that gives you that protection right on that index finger. Okay, so this is the 5.9. You've got the 5.9 Source for Sports exclusive spec coming later. End of May, early June. All right. Okay, so this is available in stores right now. Again, roughly half the price of a pro product. Make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com for all your pricing needs. You can see behind Cam, you've got the E-Flex 5 5.9 chest protector. We've got pants. We're going to be talking about all these things in the near future. But for now, we'll leave it with the 5.9 pads, locker, glove, and make sure to stay tuned for more on the source exclusive. Get it at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, their version of the 5.9. We'll show off some of that a little later when it arrives in store. All right, Cam, thank you. Get out there on the ice and work a sweat up because uh, I'm going to be honest, I think you kind of need it. I'll stack the pads. You all know what that means. You guys, it just occurred to me, you guys got out of the basement and to test, but you're also like out of the basement, which is a little bit of progress in itself. And you're testing stuff that's not just at the, at the pro level. It's, it's another opportunity for people who aren't at the top price point to, to learn a little bit about the product that they're picking up. Yeah. And one more reason we shop at the hockey shop and talk to guys like Cam and his staff, because they're not just out there testing the top end gear. They take the time to take the you know the that next price point down take it for a spin and be able to articulate like hey listen this is what i felt was different this is what you might notice because cam was out in the the you know the eflex 5 just a couple of weeks ago for video photo shoot but also live pucks and shots and now here he is out this week in the 5.9 and i thought it was just going to be a video shoot but you know they had a shooter out there they had live ammo there were puck marks on the pads cam got a chance to experience and I think to me, the experience he gets to have personally just translates into better information when you ask him, you know, how this is going to work or how you're going to feel the difference in this versus the other option if you try it out. And you're not just getting more value in the 5.9. You're getting more value if you shop through Source for Sports Surrey and the hockey shop because of the source for sports specs yeah. that, that Cam talks about. That's incredible. Yeah, and you should check it out. Like I said, a little later this month, he's got inventory right now on the straight 5.9, but they are expecting their source exclusive specs to arrive towards the end of May. So if you've got questions, if you're not sure about what's on the website uh, and which version, which model, uh, and it's not clear, or you just want to make sure you're whether you're willing to wait or you need it now, make sure you give them a call, um, you know, Send an email. All the contact information is on the website, hockeyshop.com or thehockeyshop.com, and they'll help you out to make sure you get set up with the best. And so, you know, like D3O, right? Like that's the power of, of being a big buyer. They have D3O in the palm of the glove. 
on the lower price point model, which for a lot of other people is only available in pro. We have Anne-Renée Debian standing by, but before we get to the feature interview brought to you by, so, uh, by Sensorina uh, and Sensorina VR, great uh, news coming up in, in just a second that Hutch is going to give us. There's something really cool uh, around the corner with Sensorina VR. Uh, if you guys were going to choose between the Pro line and the Senior line, so the Eflex Pro line and the 5.9, and you had to choose between gloves and pads, which one would you choose as I throw this at you? Would you go with the 5.9 gloves and the Pro pads, or would you go with the 5.9 pads and the Pro gloves? That might be one of the tougher decisions that we as goaltenders might have to make. And it might be just personal preference, what, what, you, what you lean on. I actually think it depends on the level you're playing, to be honest. I think Cam would be able to help you out with that as well. Like if you're on the ice, so I would say that if you're going to be on the ice a lot, like if you're playing at a, say like a, you know, a a triple A level or where you're on the ice as a goaltender four or five times a week, you might lean towards the pro pads, especially if you're a bigger goaltender. If you're small and you weigh nothing, not as big a deal. But if you're getting into that size range where, you know, you're pushing 160, 180 pounds and you're, you're putting, you know, three times your weight is the amount of force applied in a butterfly drop. You know, maybe that's where the, the sort of the, the added durability you get at the pro level because the core, it's both a dual light core, but they've got the injection molded piece in the pro yeah. level and not in the other level. You might see a little more durability in the pro level. If, if that's what you're doing, you're bigger, you're heavier, you're down all the time, you're playing four or five times a week. Um, out of the box feel, you're going to, you're going to feel a little bit, the gloves are going to break in a little quicker, probably in the pro model, maybe last a little longer there. So again, if you're seeing like really high end shots, um, it's been 14 months since I've been on the ice, but my Monday night skate when I was playing had guys that played pro hockey. And so would I want that extra protection in my hands for that skate? I would might choose the pro gloves in that one and go with the you know, the, the senior level pads, because I'm not on the ice enough to break down the pads, but I might want that little extra protection, not because all the games I play are like that, but that one time a week, these guys can shoot. So it really is a unique individual decision. If you were looking at splitting those things and a guy like cam could definitely help you make the right one. I think I might go 5.9 pads and the pro level gloves. Hutch, what, what would you choose just off the top of your head? I think I probably would do the same thing as you, Darren, just, you know, from my own perspective of playing, but hey, goalie dad again. Um, yeah. So, so my guy who plays triple level, triple A level hockey and, and practices a ton with, with, uh, you know, different opportunities with coaches and so on. Uh, he's now on his third glove of the season. And, and mm. that's, you know, summer through, through spring now. And, uh, and just from a value perspective, if you can, if you maybe can have the opportunity to have two gloves um, at about the same amount of money that you would be spending for one pro level glove, uh, I think that gives you um, increased protection. Even though I know it's not the same quality glove, the fact that it's a little bit newer, a little bit fresher uh, from a protection standpoint, or maybe gives you the opportunity to to try a couple of different things. So uh, I'd probably be doing gloves that way. I was just going to say that Woody's probably safer. He could just go with uh, 
with the junior or even the youth gloves because because if you can't catch it you're not going to get hurt that, yeah, yeah so exactly uh, yeah whereas 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 hutch would choose those models just based on that's, that's the right fits. size that's size for fits. him yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah i actually could probably play in junior gloves and again i wouldn't catch them either so okay one final thing on this if you do have the two gloves do you alternate them or do you use one until it breaks down and then have a new one standing by alternate Alternate. Really? Yeah, yeah. We went oh, actually went and went with one. Yeah, uh, we actually went with a, I, a game and a and a practice glove. But I disagree with you on that. I just I want the, want new, the one new one sitting over there so that I, that I can use in in four months. Well, but you know what? This conversation is exactly where the hockey shop comes in. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get it. May not be the same injection molded parts in that senior level glove, but at least you're going to have that extra layer of D three O, so you do have a little more protection in your palm. You know, as Hutch said, for his son at the AAA level, where guys are starting to really rocket that thing. Going to get into gear with our feature interview uh, presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR with Anne Renee Debian. Uh, awesome conversation, uh, incredibly honest. And her equipment that was unveiled uh, just uh, after the world championships uh, were uh, postponed. Uh, and she was on the fence about doing it and then released it. And it has some connections to 2002 and the Salt Lake City Olympics and Martin Brodeur. But uh, tell me, Hutch, what's going on at Sense Arena and this idea of a, a bit of a, a competition with the Sense Arena VR? Yeah, well, even more than that, Darren. So Monday is a big day for Sense Arena and, and for uh, some of their friends like InGoal. So first thing I'm going to say, everybody, is check out all your InGoal channels on Monday. Check out uh, our social, check out InGoalMag.com, and we'll give you all the details because I. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to share everything with you, Ooh, okay. but uh, so I got to double check with Bob before I share everything. But I can say if you're interested in getting into Sense Arena, um, Monday would be a great time to check out Ingle. Um, But what I do think I can share with everybody is that on Monday, uh, Sense Arena is going to be starting a skills competition. And it's a it's a six week endeavor where each week for the first five weeks, they're going to be presenting a new challenge. And uh, you can compete in that challenge and the top 30 scorers each week uh, will receive some points. And then that sixth week, the winner of each of the previous five challenges plus the next top 11 overall scores get to come together for this grand finale challenge. Um, and each of those 16 finalists will be getting a prize a uh, pretty nice one actually and then there's a again i won't spill all the beans until monday but there's a pretty darn significant prize for the overall winner uh on that in that you know that final week so five weeks of individual challenges uh where you can all go at it and then a sixth overall for the for the top 16 overall people and uh, i know the headset's going to be getting a lot of use in this house over the next month and a bit and I bet you it's not just your, like there'll be some pro guys involved in that, oh, just yeah. testing it out and, and, and throwing their, their names in there. I, I think we should have some kind of in goal, uh, competition between the three of us. Like, I would love to see what Woody scores in this thing. Ooh, that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I want to share that publicly, but Hey, listen, I, I do. I, I, I'm going to embrace the suck. Let's, let's find a way to make this happen. I'll embrace the suck. <laughs> And I want to see what uh, what Big Hutch can can do. Oh, you know, you know, palms. you know, damn well he's putting it on his kid and registering as himself. Oh, that's 
True, cheater. True. <laughs> you know what he'll say is uh, to little Hutch, just just like uh, dumb it down a little bit yeah. for me. Yeah. Make make and, sure a couple uh, ones go in. Just like when you like yeah. like when you when you're screwed at beer league and you got and you yeah. have nobody to fill in and you got to get somebody who's younger and better. But you're like, yeah. hey, like you know, we want you to be so like. Don't stop every puck because don't be too we don't want this yeah. game to be played under protest because you're like 10 years too young and 10 times too too good compared to me. So, yeah. That is a brilliant idea from uh, the folks over at uh, Sensorina, Sensorina VR. What a, a skills competition. That is really cool. And uh, let's let's fire that up and uh, can't wait to bring you the results and, the, uh, and track the progress of that. Our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina and Rene Debian. And just uh, give us the Coles notes before we throw to this wildly honest and enthusiastic open conversation. Uh, Coles notes, um, frankly, and I sent you guys this note as soon as I was done. And it wasn't just because I was in a post-vaccination delusional state. Might be one of the best interviews we've had. I loved her honesty. There was advice here that applies, you know, right up to NHL level in terms of how you manage practice and and you know your attitude towards it. How you, you know, how you work on certain things and drills that aren't goalie friendly. How you need to, you know, be a good teammate sometimes when the drills aren't about you. Um, you know, th- the things she went through in youth hockey, some of the crap she put up with um, because she was a female goaltender. Uh, where the game is at now, the options that are available that she th- sees through mentorship programs in the PWHPA, like just every aspect of this interview. I don't care if you're a male goaltender, a female goaltender, uh, an aspiring pro, uh, minor leagues goaltender parent, you will learn something from this interview. It's one of my favorites that we've done in the last little while. Like for a long time, she was just awesome. We love to bring gender age and competition all together into one room. And this conversation accomplishes that massively. Here is Anne-Renee Debian, the feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Welcome back to the In Goal Radio podcast. We had a very briefly ahead of a uh, Canada-US rivalry series. We, we talked to you last time in Victoria briefly, Anne-Renee. Uh, Anne-Renee Debien, um, you are supposed to be playing at a world championship right now. So this kind of, I don't want to start this on a negative note, but how tough have the last couple of weeks been for you? They've definitely been very difficult. I guess you work so hard for so many months, especially as a woman athlete for those specific events, because that's pretty much how we got right now. Uh, so to be in Halifax, to be in a selection camp and to look forward to those events and be canceled last minute was definitely uh, very difficult. Uh, so I currently am on vacation. I guess uh, there's not much going on right now. We're waiting to hear what's next and all that. So obviously very disappointed, but I guess that's kind of the world we live in right now. Frustration because of, I mean, you'd geared up for it so much. I mean, you'd been in quarantine as well. Like, how, like, it's one thing to have it canceled and it's never a good thing. But to get so close to the start and have gone through all those steps must just add to the frustration. Yeah, I guess it's very difficult to understand why we all quarantined before. Uh, we all went through so many tests, all were negative. So that's very hard to understand uh, why it happened. I guess, yes, health and safety is the reason used. I guess optics is probably the real reason why. Uh, it's really hard to ask everybody to stay at home, 
to do last things and to host an international event in the city. Uh, so that's also probably the major reason, but uh, very frustrating. Like you mentioned, you go through all this as an athlete, you train to peak at those events and then now just to start all over again. So um, we were all excited. We were all there looking forward to represent Canada again to compete. And then uh, it was taken away from us again. Now, what I mean, obviously, you don't have a timeline on when the next one is, but looking ahead to 2022 Olympics, like how important is this event to give you some competition? Because it's been so long for for the women's side, for the women's game, for yourself, for your teammates to get into games that you know have this juice, have this competition level. That's funny because I was actually uh, listening to a podcast that Shannon Zavitas took part of the past few days. And she was mentioning that she had time to get pregnant, give birth, and her daughter is actually eight months. So that's how long it's been since the last world championship because Shannon was the starting goalie for us. So that's just to put things in perspective right now. Also uh, quite, quite a long time. But I guess for myself, like after taking that year off after the Olympics, uh, the league folded. So I have no professional league to play in. Uh, all the international events have been canceled, minus the rivalry series with the U.S. last year. Uh, so it's really hard to keep pushing. And like currently the PWHPA on the Canadian side is a little more difficult to put in place. So we're hoping to have something coming up, but it's still to be determined. Uh, so I guess there's a lot of opportunities that <laughs> have been missing. So I haven't been playing many games since the last Olympics. So I was definitely looking forward to that world to be able to prove what I can do. And also for Hockey Camp to use it as an evaluation tool before we all um, they pick the centralization roster, which get to move to Calgary and train all together in August. Now, obviously, you're a member of the PWHPA. You have been skating. What What's that process like? Like, like how do you try and stay sharp as a goaltender without getting into the games or having that game environment that you want? And there's probably a lot of goalies at every age that, you know, whether you're on a team where you're not getting a chance to start or like they can probably use that advice. How do you, what's your preference for feeling like you're maintaining some form of game readiness? So I guess like obviously practice is pretty much the only thing I have right now. So I've been putting more effort into practice. I know if you met me when I was a little younger, probably my <laughs> coaches would say it wasn't the best practice goalie. So that had to change the past few years, obviously, but, um, uh, Definitely put more time and effort, pick specific like points I want to focus on in the drills because we have to realize as a goalie, often the drills are not about us. We're just kind of at the end, like just shoot the puck. We don't really care how it happens. You're just standing there and just stop it. So I guess for me, it was like finding little things. Either it was like death management or like different like safe selections and all those things to really fo focus on. And I guess I'm very fortunate in Montreal. I have players like Marie-Philippe Poulain and Melody Daou that definitely can challenge me and will keep me honest. So if I'm not at my best, I'll definitely tell me and I'll definitely have to be better for myself, but also for them. Okay. So no, there's a thread I got to pull on a little bit because we actually just had a piece on the website this week with Chris Dreger, again, talking about one of the biggest steps for him going from the East coast hockey league two years ago to the NHL now was understanding how to practice better that early in his pro career, that was maybe something that was missing. So for you, when you talked about practice habits, um, can you give us some examples of things that needed to change? And also part two, like you said, we all know that as goalies, right? That the drills are not for us. So give us an example of one thing where it's like, okay, this drill sucks for me, but I'm going to get something out of it. Because a lot of goalies face that and a lot of goalies just kind of quit. 
So I guess I'll use the famous three on O's and five on O's because they happen over and over and over again. So I guess uh, back in the days, I was really frustrated with them because I was like, what's the point? Like, there's no pressure. There's no like, it will never happen in a game. I was getting really mad and I just end up standing there like being like, what, what's that? Like, what's the point of this? And I feel now like I use more like death and I'll be like, you know what? Like, I'll be really hard to beat on the shot. And then if I have to slide, then I'll go once. And if they pass it three times, then I'll just tell them to um, go home and then uh, keep it realistic for me too. And I think I've got to a point with my teammates where we hold each other accountable. So if they start doing those things, I'm like, hey, like I want to get better. I know it's a three on O. I know you want to score. And I know you have to make it unrealistic to score. So then I was like, please like help me like, get better and I think the girls are good now that they understand like they'll do it once in a while well they'll make like six passes stop and like do stupid things but uh they're really better at that but even if they don't I'm like okay like I want to be at this part of my crease at this point like I want to be able to like um even like the sliding trajectory to go to the post like if it's a backdoor pass those kinds of little things that even if the puck goes in I'm like okay check I was the right place if that player shot the puck oh I I took the right trajectory and if they pass it another time, then I just dive or do something uh, that in a game, sometimes you can't be perfect. So I guess you kind of start using those little things and um, you get better at them, it's, especially with coaching. You realize like uh, a little more what you should be doing, what you can be working on, even if it's not ideal. Well, and, and sometimes those battle drills, as you said, like hat, like not if you try and keep up with every one of those three on O's, you're just going to be exhausted. But every once in a while, you, you you do have to battle and it probably helps in a game to sort of just have that that ready to go. Yeah, I guess we talk a lot about as athletes overall, like you kind of practice, like uh, you play like you practice. So if you don't compete in practice, you can't expect to compete in a game. It's not like a switch you turn on and off. So you kind of have to build those habits and practice to make sure that when you get to a game, you don't have to think about it. If you need to dive, you just dive. If you need to slide, you just slide. If your hand, like, so they're kind of all little things that you have to put in day in and day out, even if it's not fun. Definitely, sometimes it's not. Uh, but if you want to do it in a game, like, it's not just happens out of there. Like, I don't think, if you look at flurry in practice, I'm pretty sure that guy dies every time for, like, any pucks and just make sure that pucks doesn't want to go in. So and he doesn't not- just do it in a game. Like, he does it every day. And he has fun doing it too, right? That is, have you managed like with all this practice time? Have you has it been has it been hard at times to maintain uh, the been, fun? Definitely been challenging, I guess. Uh, with the girls, we started building like little compete practice, and like I know on Fridays it's like, oh, can you beat the goalie? Like, can you score three goals in like less than five minutes? So like little games. So you find those things, but there are definitely days that have been very challenging. Uh, that. You're like, oh, why am I doing this? Like, are we going to have a game soon? Like, are we going to have something to show all the work we've put in? Uh, so there's definitely ups and downs. It's never perfect. But the nice thing about playing a team sport is that you're never alone. So your teammates probably go through the same thing. And really, does everybody has a bad day on the same day? So usually they can pick you back up and you do the same for them when it doesn't go as well. You mentioned coaching. You talked about, you know, things like, you know, choosing your depth, making sure you take the right path back to the post on a recovery. Um, do you have an opportunity in all these skates to have some one-on-one goalie coaching? Do you have someone there to sort of watch you from a goalie's perspective a little bit and help? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, it's Olivier Show. works for Intense Hockey, works for uh, the Batijar Drummondville too. Uh, so it's been really fun. He's been coming out twice a week with us on Mondays and Fridays. And 
they're more goalie specific. So we've been lucky in a way that Mondays and Fridays are usually for goalies. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays are usually for players. So then I don't, I can't complain as much the other days, like when it's not goalie specific, because usually the other twos are. So it's been really fun that way. Uh, the girls are really enjoying it too, because they learn, they realize that what we're working on, it's probably what's going to make them score. So. I, I was just going to ask, are they going to school on it a little bit? Because <laughs> you can, we've seen shooters over the years that come to goalie camps and they get better because they realize what goalies are trying to do. Yeah. Uh, you can see like the ones that really want to get better and the ones are just there more to play. Uh, there's definitely names that come up in my head that want to be better. Uh, so you'll see those players asking like, why, why are you doing this? Like I know the dead angle or like <laughs> build a goal line plays as a player players are like oh, that's so stupid there's nowhere to shoot at i'm like well actually if you knew there's spots to shoot at and there's ways to generate rebounds and second opportunities for your team and those kind of things but for them as a player they're like oh we can't see anything so i don't want to take that shot i'll just go back to the hash marks and take a shot from there i'm like that's not how it works who's the so who's the worst drill buster who's who's not doing what they're supposed to do in drills uh, Jill Salni is always interesting. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen. Or, uh, so she's really fun. She works super hard, but sometimes she's just like a little distracted and just do really funny things. Now, the one good part of getting to Halifax, and it's, I mean, it just, don't even know what to say. It just sucks that it got canceled on you, but you got there and you managed to get your gear. Now, we've already talked to you and done a story on it, but share with us the, the background of that Heat and Heelight 10 setup that we've seen on Instagram now. We had the story at ingolmag.com, but for our, for our Ingol podcast uh, listeners that maybe haven't seen it, share that, share that story with us. Yeah, so obviously I've been wearing CCM for a long time, uh, since my first year of college, so that's been what? Too long. And uh, I know ahead of Worlds with their new All Out, uh, they were like, oh, would you like to do All Out? graphics and i was like well obviously as a goalie you always say yes to those kind of things so i was super excited about it uh the hard thing about ccm and hockey canada is that because hockey canada is partnered with bauer you can't really use a hockey canada on any other brand of gear so we had to be a little creative with what we wanted to do and uh the first few sketches were a lot of flags on my pads and a lot of things like that for people that know me uh <laughs> it's definitely not me my pads are usually solid color pretty boring like a few cool things in there but pretty simple uh so i was just thinking i was like i was talking to Callie, and i was like oh like could we do like this so i had this i set up age uh, 10 when i was 11 years old and i really liked them i didn't have the matching glove they were still ccm uh, they were black a little more black face but i was like that would be really cool for me to have those again now and uh to have the matching gloves and stuff and I just really like the simple graphics, the old school uh, for the goalies out there. I had a retro brown a CCM retro flex back then, like Bernie out of the All-Star game. So I kind of like those fun things, old school. So uh, it turned out great. I got it shipped to Halifax, got there uh, during camp. At the, so the first time I got it, uh, got it after a morning skate. So... <laughs> I wore it for the game. I was backing up, but I still put the gear out of the box for a, <laughs> a scrimmage game. And then uh, after that, we had a practice the day after. I got to wear it in practice, was super excited. And then was finally going to play a game, was going to wear it, and then everything got shut down. So um, I don't know. It just turned out great. There's little maple leaves like in it that made it a little more recent. But I think the, 
E-Flex 5 pattern kind of with the knee rolls and stuff like made it that it looked pretty good rather than a flat face pad. So super excited about them, but I was waiting to showcase them at Worlds. I was going to keep them like out of the <laughs> social media stuff and all that for until, but then when everything got canceled, uh, Brad Kirkwood, <laughs> top prospect goaltending was like, can I post a video of you and them? And I was like, I know there's nothing to do with the drill I'm in and it's all about the gear, Brad. And he's like, do you mind? I was like, well, at this point, like they can just, people will get excited. That made me laugh, made me smile that day to see how excited people got. And uh, yeah, so that's the story behind it. I also saw that brother wore it with Hockey Canada. So I also texted Kylie before uh, the set was shipped. And I was like, oh, I already know how it looks like with a Hockey Canada jersey. So but. Now, what was the reaction of teammates? Because that sounds like you, you did only get the one practice in them, but it sounds like they were a little in disbelief on some of the, you know, like leather buckle at the boot. Like, what is that? Yeah, it's really funny to see players look at goalie gear. They're so lost and they have no clue what's going on and all the technologies and everything that goes behind. When you talk to them about different type of foam, like stiffer one for like longer rebounds, softer ones are like, oh, that's really a thing. And I'm like, oh my God, like we need to educate these girls about it. Uh, so I remember walking in with the box and they're like, oh, like we got to see them and stuff. So they just started pulling everything out and it was really fun. But they were like touching it and they're like, there's no strap, but there's a strap. How does that work? And I'm like, well, it's printed on it. Like, I didn't want the actual strap. I don't wear straps anymore. My pads are just three Velcros. So I was like, so it was really funny to see them like touching it. And like a few girls put the gear on and were just butterflying within the locker room and they had fun. And I was like, well, so it was pretty fun to see. Like, I guess we get excited about a gear, but the players also were like, oh, like, it's so nice. And during the warm up, like the other team was tapping on my pads, trying to make puck marks on them and all those fun things. Nice. Now, so I, I'm, We'll have a world championship at some point. We're still waiting to hear, but we'll get to see those in action then. How have yeah, you? That's for sure. yeah. I also have my other set of B-Flex 5. So I actually just ordered pad skins. Uh, hopefully we'll have a PWHPA event so I can, uh, I'll put some powder blue on there, try to make them match more a PW jersey and keep the other one. How have you liked the E-Flex 5? We're in the process of doing our review. Um, I'd be curious what you think and which, which rebound did you select? Did you go control or max? I used the max rebound. I guess I tried the axis and it was not the right pad for me, but I kind of like those like longer rebounds when the puck comes super fast, a little harder for the players to control and all that. So I uh, really like that. So I definitely use that on them. Uh, really enjoying it. Uh, love it. And then I just really like it. That's more a hybrid pad. It's been working pretty well for me. Uh, so I love the rebound control on them. If I hit the top of the pad, stay close to me, get to freeze it a little lower, bounce flies out. Because I remember like Cass just kicking the puck out of the zone with her power pads all the time. I'm like, what is going on here? So it's kind of been fun to have that in between because that's more like me. Uh, otherwise, I changed my glove for a 590. I've uh, been a 600 for a while. Just already changed it, but I already switched before. Uh, intermediate palm as a woman. We have a smaller hands. So that was also a great change for me. Definitely fits way better. So super excited about that too. Hey, it's it's not just for women. Uh, the co-host on the In Goal Radio podcast, David Hutchison, needs the In Goal. He needs the intermediate palms in his CCM gloves. So it's nice that they offer that. Yeah, it's definitely nice because you don't realize it and you just take the senior glove and I was like, couldn't close it. It was like at the end of my finger and I was like, oh my God, this is not fit right. So when I switched, I was like, I should have done it a long time ago. But sometimes you just don't know any better. So uh, it's been definitely a good change for me. 
the 590 has been working pretty well too. Uh, curious to see what this new 600 is like, because I for about six, seven years before, but I just changed before they made the new one. So uh, that'll be interesting. And uh, last I got to ask, because uh, we we just did a, a quick overview on it, but we haven't really, because COVID and everything, we haven't had a chance to get on the ice and really feel it. The uh, You're in the new Eflux 5 uh, chest protector as well. How do you like that? Yeah, I've been, uh, so I think I got it before Christmas, something yeah, you, like that. So yeah, I you got the sneak peek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I got a good plug in there. But uh, no, so it's been really, uh, I really put it out of the box and I was already comfortable in it. So I know sometimes you try a chest protector, it takes you a while to get used to it. I was really easy to move in, very mobile. Uh, definitely, I'm a, I like to tuck it in, suspender over. So I definitely like just how it sticks to me and it just fits pretty well everywhere. Uh, so really easy to move in. I can touch my head, but sometimes can be a little difficult when you get a new chest protectors, all those things. Uh, haven't gotten a bruise yet, so... It's That's been pretty good. fun that way that you can move easily, but you still got the protection because sometimes it's a trade-off. It's either you have the protection or you have the mobility. So I guess they did a really good job at um, finding the right balance for that. Oh, well, Kaylee told me when we got ours that, because uh, I haven't had a haircut since COVID. So she said I'd be able to do, and I never thought of this, but it's an important test, the ability to do a ponytail while you're wearing the chest protector for women's hockey and she said i'll now be able to try it i think she was chirping me a little bit but i still i think the arms out it makes nicer ponytail but i can definitely reach it and do it but i usually just take the arms out and do it but uh yeah i can i could do it but it wouldn't be as nice so i take my arms out all right so we're talking gear and there are usually one of two reasons that goalies become goalies gear is one of them and clearly you've developed a passion for it but the other most common one is youngest sibling so how did you get started in goal amateur uh no doubt youngest sibling uh definitely was a player loved playing out scoring goals is way more fun than getting <laughs> score on uh there's no doubt about that i still skate out when i play beer league uh so i get to score my goals there nowadays but uh yeah, it was definitely forced on me. I have four older siblings, so they definitely uh, put me in. So, But then when I got to my club team, they didn't have a goalie. They're like, well, you play goalie in your basement, so I guess you're the volunteer goalie today. And I just never switched back. So I was actually – it was my first team. I was probably five or six when I started playing goalie. So I was pretty young, and, uh, yeah, I just stuck with it. So you were the basement and the goalie for the older brothers and sisters. Yeah, I was. And then the outdoor one, we broke the house. We broke so many things. And I remember <laughs> my dad being like every time, like, I can't believe you guys are still doing that. But uh, yeah, I guess that's always how it starts out pretty much. Now, where did, when, at what point did it become something where, hey, I really love this. Um, there might be a future here. Like, where'd you go from, you know, the kid that was throwing in net because she played goal with their siblings to to the kid that was going to be wearing you know team how did that process to team canada olympian like walk us through that path yeah so i guess the first year i played goalie uh so what happened they brought me up a level as a player as a skater and then they needed a goalie so i became the goalie on that team which is kind of ironic because i was brought up for my scoring abilities and then ended up being a goalie but i've never really told that story too often and then uh what happened is that year, we just ended up going all the way to the end. We played the championship game and the Desjardins Cup back in the days in Quebec, uh, which is all the teams in Quebec. So I guess we had a pretty good year and people were like, well, you're actually pretty good at this goalie thing. And I was like, oh, am I? 
like I don't think so. Like I think I should go back to scoring goals. And then after that, like it just I don't know, like it just was easy for me in a way. Like so then I just stuck with it and then had opportunities growing up. Uh, then I played in my from a really small town, not many high caliber there. Uh, so we played double C, I think was back then. And then eventually as a as a girl, it's really difficult because uh, I've been told many times that even if I'm better than the guys, I will not go anywhere in life with hockey so that they won't take me. So that happened over and over and over again. Uh, but I had one coach, Bam Tam AA, that believed in me, gave me an opportunity, and I was one of the best goal in the league and got to play Midget Espoir after, which is like the all the best, um, 15 years old in Quebec. Uh, again, was the best goal in the league there. Uh, so it all kind of like started to fall in place. And then Midget AAA, <laughs> well, they didn't want a girl there, their organization I was in. So definitely got cut a few times. But it was always, then I would go back to my other teams and they're like, the parents on the team were so mad at me. They're like, you shouldn't be here. Like, you should be higher up. And I'm like, well, it's not my choice. Like, I keep getting sent down. So I got a little heated in the stands and with parents and stuff and the other organizations. So so hold on. They were they were mad because you were too good. But yeah. the, the team you should have been playing on didn't want a girl. I read I a story about, about um, I think it was uh, about Midget AAA cutting you just because he didn't believe he thought it, the coach thought it was a waste of time to develop a girl. Yeah, that's really what it was. And it's wow. like, I know another team picked me up uh, and the league was like, she's 17. She has nothing to develop. She's a girl. She won't go anywhere. So uh, it's not something that happened so many times. And I guess like at one point, uh, I just got sick of it. Uh, so I decided to go to university in the States. Um, went to University of Wisconsin. I was uh. my yeah, that went pretty well for me. Yeah, just 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 a little bit. Fifty six career shutouts, all kinds of like national records. Just it went okay. Yeah. So then I think it was the right time for me to switch. Like as much as I love playing boys, like obviously from a goalie perspective, the game is a little different. Uh, we can chat about that for sure. But uh, it was time for me that way that the men's side kept shutting doors, and like I always wonder like how different my career would have been if I had those opportunities that the boy did at my age and all that. But I guess women's hockey will get there one day. Uh, I know now you go and like they start to have girls team. There's still volunteer coaches. There's still usually no goalie coaches. So there's still like discrepancy there, but uh, hopefully one day I'll get better. But uh, yeah. Are, are we, are we get is it, is it getting better? Like you, I know you do some mentoring through the PWHPA with, with younger girls. I know you've helped out. I was going to ask you about the set of gear too. Cause I know sometimes the old set of gear, you find somebody in need to give it to uh, Lucy Phillips, I think from the last one through Joe Johnson. Yeah. Um, are we getting there? Is it getting better? Like you, you attended camp with Shawinigan at one point too. That was the other one I wanted to ask you what that experience yeah. was like. Oh, uh, that junior major camp. Awesome, and I think it was a great opportunity for me to go out there. And even the coaches, when I coach, she's just a girl, like she won't do well. And actually, went pretty well. But what happened that year was she again was uh, hosting the Memorial Cup. So they were they've been building their teams the past few years for that year. So they already had two two very good goalies in place. So there's not really room for a goalie, but it was still a great experience. I uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, I I did pretty well. I held my ground. I was still pretty young. I think it was sixteen or seventeen. 17. So decently young but uh it was just fun to be able to compete with them obviously off ice like when they put me on the bench to bench at 135 pounds like I wasn't really good at it then I can do it now but 
uh, you can see some of those differences, but on the ice, like I definitely enjoyed the experience. Okay. So off to, um, off to Wisconsin where you did have a goalie coach or do you have access to goalie coaching there? Like what, what throughout this process, where do you start learning the technical side of the game through all these years? Cause we've kind of gone from throwing in net at age five to university. Was there access to coaching to get that help technically at any point along the way, or was all private that you had to go through? Or are you completely self-taught? I was completely self-taught. Wow. Uh, I know like even not being able to play triple, triple A level, uh, then you don't really have, you have like some goalie coaches here and there that do their best and like, will try to make you better, but it's more about habits and those kind of things than the technical side of things. Uh, then when I got to college, uh, we had a volunteer goalie coach, uh, Mark Greenhall, love him. He's so funny. So many funny stories <laughs> on the technical side though. <laughs> um, so definitely was more self-taught, but then again, like I love to learn. I'm definitely, uh, I like it to be, I'm a perfectionist. I like it to be perfect. I love to know why, why things work that way and all that. But I definitely got more of my coaching when I got to Team Canada. Uh, Brad Kirkwood was probably the more, the first goalie coach I had on a more regular basis and all that. So definitely started with a lot of teaching from him. I'm pretty sure he's happy where we're at now, but it took a long time. Is that, is that frustrating a little bit too, to sort of have to not have that access growing up or, and again, or like, I don't have much contact with minor hockey at either level, boys or girls. Like, do, do you feel when you talk to some of these younger girls that you're working with on the mentorship side, are they getting a little more access than maybe you did when you were coming up? I guess it's very different nowadays than what it was back then. I guess uh, now kids play 12 months out of 12, which definitely wasn't my case. I just played during hockey season. We had the ice here from September until March or April, and then you just move on to do other things. Uh, so it's definitely different. I think the parents are getting a little more intense about all the goalie sessions and all those private lessons. I know all the goalie coach out there love it. It's super fun to do. Like I love doing, like coaching them. I love them as a goalie too, but uh, hockey is definitely becoming even more expensive than what it used to be now for parents. Uh, so I guess those kids are getting more coaching than uh, what we did back then. And it's a lot more on the private side than with the teams. Uh, so I guess for us, it was more like if you had it with your teams or like summer goalie camp or those kind of things. Well, now I know a lot of the goalies will do extra to get those private lessons. In. Okay. So finish school, Olympics, big moment, get the first, the start in the first, first game in Pyeongchang, shout out. Um, and then you decided to take a year off. What was that decision about? I know there was a lot of like, a lot of focus on it, a lot of questions about it. Why was it necessary for you to take that break after four years of school and, and the rigors of making it to and through an Olympic Games? Yeah, I guess that mentally, uh, being centralized in Calgary, it was, was really hard mentally and physically. Like, you're just never at home. You're always on the road. Uh, we all moved to Calgary. I think some of the months I probably slept four or five days where I lived in Calgary. Uh, so it was, it got really taxing physically and emotionally. Then you go to the Olympics that only last two weeks. Um, and then the result obviously was very disappointing for us. So it's like, you work all those times and then this happened and you're like, why? And especially for me, I guess I was never used to not being the starter. So that was also a little challenging on the individual side. So after I graduated, after the Olympics, I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do with hockey and obviously as a woman hockey player, there's not many opportunities out there for you to make a living. 
And I'm someone that is really logical and organized. So for me to not have like things like that, I was really uh, stressed about it. So I decided I took an internship at Deloitte. Uh, so I have a undergraduate degree in business and accounting and then did an internship there, then decided to go and do my master in accountancy. So I finished that at Wisconsin, got that. And when that was over, I was like, okay, now I got a plan B. If things don't work with hockey, like I can still rely on my degree and like get a job and be able to work. And I was coaching that full year. I really enjoyed it. I had so much fun trying to share your knowledge. And especially as a goalie, you do so many things without thinking that once you have to put words on them, you have to realize like what you do. Like, how do you explain it to somebody you've been doing it for so long? Like you're doing decent at it. So it's like, you have to put words on something that you find very simple. That is not so simple as someone else. So I found that really eye-opening. And then uh, Hockey Canada was asking me if I was interested in giving it another shot and coming back and playing. So I was like, no, like I just want to coach. So I got to coach, mentor at their goalie camp. I got to coach the youth sport team at their under-22 camp. And they were still harassing me. Like, are you going to give it another shot? Like, we have fall festival in a month. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm not ready for this. So I gave it another shot. And here I am today. Now, the coaching side, I'm fascinated by that because you're right. That would have been an interesting process. Like, did you learn things about your game once you had to, you know, like you said, articulate it? And can you give me an example? Uh, you learn so many things about just talking about a stance, like deflection points where your weight should be like, cause usually you ask a goalie and you're like, Oh, show me your stance. I'll just show it to you. But to have to describe it to someone, what's good, what's not good, what helps, what doesn't help. If you're too wide, you can't push. If you're too narrow, you can't drop. If you're like, you're not bent and you're not forward, you're going to fall backward. If you're too forward, then it's hard to move. Like, so just like to find all of that and like to realize all of this and also like coaching, you realize sometimes your athletes are really annoying. And they do things that you really dislike. And you're like, oh my God, stop backing up on screens. That's a thing that goalies do quite a bit. Like if they're screened, they just back up and go really deep because they think they have more time. But actually they don't. And they open more of the net. So every time I was like, oh, stop backing up. Stop backing up. Like, just hold your ground. And then I went in net when I go back to camp and I did it once. And I was like, oh. I was in net and I was like, oh my God, I just backed up on the screen. So I remember after the game, I went back to my goalie coach. I don't remember what it was at that event. And I was like, I just backed up on the screen. He's like, is that all you remember for your game? I said, like, yeah. I said it to my athletes so often and I just did it. So I guess it really helped. And it makes you think about solution and what you could do and how you can improve a little more than when you just do them. Now, did you have any influences on the coaching side? Like you said, you haven't had a lot of goalie coaches up until you you met Brad, but now all of a sudden you're coaching. Was there anyone you could lean on or was it was it more just trying to put into words the way you played and the experiences you know sort of innately? Definitely the experience uh, I had, but also like as a goalie, when you get that coaching more regularly, like you know what's important, what are like the foundation. So if you can't skate really well or move really well as a goalie, it's really hard to stop pucks. So you kind of learn that stance is really important, that then power is and positioning. So you kind of start picking what's the most important, then you tackle that, then you learn how to prioritize because you can't only fix one thing at a time. You, you got any goalies out there will understand if you try to stop a puck, think about your glove, your stick, uh, your knee bend, the puck is going to go in. So I guess like with your athletes, you have to realize that you have to hammer one thing home until you get really good at it, then you can move on. Because otherwise, they'll all overthink, the puck is going to go in, they're going to get frustrated, 
and they won't want to do it again. See, that's I'm going to age myself here, but that's my favorite line is it's from Top Gun, the movie. If you think out there, you're dead. Most yeah. people just look at me like I have two heads because nobody remembers that movie, but I'm I'm old. Um, it's true though, right? We heard it from Matt Murray this year, right? He was trying to make all these changes and he gets into a game and you could see the wheels turning. And if you've lost that instinct, you're in trouble out there. And I guess like even for me as a goalie now, like if I have bigger changes to make, I'll do them usually over the summer while I have more time to work on them. Uh, or I'll do them like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Fridays, I'm like, I just go with it and um, play my games over the weekends. That's when I used to have games and used to have a routine and a set schedule. But that's what I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where to like work and improve. Thursday, Fridays were just, I do my things and then I play my games over the weekend. So you Can kind you of learn. Give us an example of something like that you would have changed on that. Like, uh, you know, like I see, I, we, I, I've seen your game now, saw it at the, at the uh, USA Canada series in Victoria and Vancouver. How has it evolved the most? And what are some of the changes that maybe you found most difficult over the years? I think that when I moved on from the boys to the girl side, that was definitely very challenging because I used to be the smallest goalie in the league. And then I ended up being one of the biggest goalies. And then all that. And like the guys have such a shooter mentality where the girls just try to like create rebounds and like make passes and make all those plays. So for me as a goalie, then it was very difficult to realize all the extra time I had, but also like it like depth wise. Cause I used to be all over sliding, never in the crease and like probably swimming in the corner of the ice, to be honest. And then uh, I guess now if you watch, like I'll usually rarely be outside of my crease. And then I guess like that was one thing that in practice I was like, okay, like, especially that's another thing we like, well, we touched on earlier, like in practice, you can get really bad habits. If it's a one on no, you can go two feet about your crease. If they're forced to shoot, you're going to stop it every time. So I guess as a goalie, like that's the easy way out. So then I had to learn to not take those easy way out and to be comfortable being just where I needed to be. And if they score a perfect shot, then that's okay too. So I guess it's positioning was definitely probably the most challenging thing for me. I was just like so athletic, like no goalie coaches, just all over split saves, windmills, all of that. Uh, I don't do them too much anymore. Still love doing it in practice once in a while, uh, but I try to stay away from them if I can. Yeah, you got to break out the windmill every once in a while, though, just to remind them that it's in the toolbox. Oh, uh, they get so, so annoyed at it when we do. And like when we two pad stacks in practice and we stop them and they're like, that's so stupid. And we're all like, just like so pumped. All the goalies on the ice are just typing and super excited about it. Uh, but at one point you got to have fun and you need as many tools as you can in your toolbox. You never know when you're going to need those kind of saves or so you got to practice as many things as you can. Some a little less than others, but uh, you still need to be comfortable doing them. Now, you come come off that year off. You go back and get a master's in accounting. Um, Hockey Canada's pulling you in. You were drafted in the NWHL, but never played there. You joined the PWHPA. This is kind of a bigger picture question about where we're at and what the options are. But for you, first of all, why you chose those options and how you ended up coming back to the national team while, uh, after all that pleading. Uh, so I'll start with why I came back to the national team. I guess as an athlete, uh, we love to compete. I always wanted to be the best I can be, always wanted to represent my country. So if I was ever going to go back, it was to be at this level only. Uh, so I was like, if I go back, like I want to give it another shot, doing the things I didn't do right the first time. And like I mentioned, if uh, you ask any of my coaches when I was younger, even probably my first centralization, 
uh, I have a little bit of an attitude, <laughs> I would say. Uh, I can get really upset at things and stuff. It's changed quite a bit lately. So, um, but it was really easy for me to be frustrated in practice and those kind of things and kind of just get mad. Doesn't happen anymore. Maybe once every two months, but it's definitely not as common. Uh, so I definitely just want another opportunity to make things right and to be at peace with myself after and to be like, okay, like I actually done everything I could this time, which wasn't the case at first. And then as for why the P-Dub and WHL. So when I was drafted by the uh, Boston Pride, I believe, uh, they never reached out, never got a phone call, never got an email, never got a message. So it's kind of hard to sign for a team when you never talk to anybody. Uh, so. That's probably why I didn't pick that one, I would say. That explains and, that. Yeah. And also, like, as a now, like, I strongly believe that we have the quality to put a league together. We have, like, enough players to do it. Uh, but we need the infrastructures and stuff. And I think that by joining the PWHPA, that's really what we did as players is, like, to with those showcases to prove that we have the talent, we to prove that we have the quality and now we just need the infrastructure because – what people have to realize is even during those PWPA showcase, half the players still work full time. So like, yes, like it's really hard for us to compete every day. Like even us, like we're more fortunate on the national team, but we have some of the girls in Montreal that work five days a week or more and then shows up to practice Tuesdays and Thursday night with us. So then, uh, yes, we do want to push you for them, too, to just be able to do that, focus on that, put the off-ice time, put the rehab time as you get older. Definitely spend more time in the rehab room and all that. So those things take time, but I think we have the right talent. We have the right players. We have the right leadership to do it. And I think it's time that those little girls get to dream to be a professional women's hockey player. I know growing up, I wanted to play in the NHL. Well, I guess I did. I played in the All-Star game. But um, – that was my dream because I didn't know any better. And then I know girls in sports like drop out of sports most than any boys, like especially at high school age. And as we can see during this pandemic, sport is health. So we have to encourage them. We have to motivate them to keep in sport. And that's definitely one way. If they can grow up to be a professional women's hockey player, I can promise you more of the girls are going to keep playing. So national team is great, but there's only 23 of us. And 23 is a pretty small number in Canada. So then we have to realize we have, we need more opportunities to keep them healthy, to keep them competing. And uh, for anybody out there, any companies, hiring athletes is probably one of the best things because we have leadership, we're committed, we can work as a team. So it just helps build leaders in our society too. So I think it's time that people realize that it's more than sport overall. I wanted to ask you about the all-star game and you mentioned it, but I think I'd rather ask you first out, like, tell me about Farrah Walker. Tell me about the mentorship program with the PWHPA. And because there's, there's a young female goaltender that you've built a relationship with. She's 15. Like you said, right in that age where 14, 15 is where we see women's sport. A lot of like, that's where most of the drop-off occurs. The, the, the opportunities aren't there. They stop playing. How important has that been to get involved on that level? Yeah, so I was very fortunate. It was a partnership between Scotiabank, PWHP, and Hockey Canada. Uh, usually Scotiabank put out the, an event for uh, girls, and then they couldn't do it this year, obviously, with COVID. So they kind of moved things virtually. So uh, they asked me if I want to be a mentor, and Farah was out the only goalie selected in the program. And obviously she was paired up with me. But I guess it was really fun, I think, for her and for myself to realize that what many of us go through are the exact same thing. 
And yes, I hope sometimes things will change, but things are still the same. And I think sometimes you feel alone. You feel like you don't really understand why you don't. Um, the changes between the women's and the men's game is sometimes a transition that can be very hard for some of those young players. So to have someone to talk to can be very valuable. And also to keep challenging them because sometimes you get comfortable. Like you go from the men's to the women's and then you like you do pretty well, but you still got to challenge. You still got to get better. So I think uh, it was a really great experience for both of us uh, to be able to relate on so many topics and to be able to guide her, um, whether it was like answering a question about university, national teams, uh, just life in general uh, was definitely beneficial for both of us. Okay. I want to, did want to ask about the, what was the all-star game experience like? And is that just a sign too of, you know, the amount of attention and entertainment that you generated in that three on three game? Is that just a sign of what exposure can do and would mean if more people got an opportunity to see you play? Yeah, I think it was definitely a very positive experience overall. I know when we were at the airport after people were like, Oh, we were actually surprised you could skate. I was like, I'm not sure how to take that comment, but I'm just going to let it go. So I think, uh, how could I, well, it's like if you, people don't compare women's tennis to men's tennis anymore, they see that two different things. So I guess for us as women hockey players, like people still compare us to the men's game and you have to understand, like, it's all different. Uh, yes, the shots are not as fast. Yes. But some of the team systems are way better than on the men's side. If you study the games and those kind of things. So there's some really good things to it. And like, I think people just like to see the negative just like to see what they want to see to support their opinion. So I guess by participating in that game, we had the opportunity to showcase what we could do and people were kind of forced to watch ish. So then a lot of people were really surprised and really enjoyed it. And I think that that's some of them, that's what they realize. It's like, there is something to watch. It's very fun. It's very entertaining. It is different. And to accept it by the fact that it is different. Um, so the more and more opportunity we'll get to showcase it, uh, definitely the better they'll get. And we definitely grew our platform that day. And I know like we were going to build momentum, like going like another like PWH event and then another like the worlds were coming up. So it was really exciting time for women's hockey and then obviously COVID. Right. And that's, uh, uh, which brings us back to the world championships. That'll be the next time we get a chance to see you again, waiting on that being rescheduled. And then obviously, uh, the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. Um, do you, what, how do you look at the schedule the next little while? Like, do you go back to Montreal eventually and start training with PWHPA? Like, how do you get prepared now? How tough is it to not sort of know what the schedule looks like? Is the motivation still there? Or do you take a little while to get over the frustration of this past couple of weeks? Uh, it's definitely been difficult. As you can tell, I'm currently at family's cabin. Uh, needed some time off. So I wanted to know, I wanted to know if the fish over your shoulder was one that sang. It's, uh, it doesn't sing and it's not real either. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so definitely been spending time here, been gardening, doing those kind of things, staying busy. Uh, for many high-level athletes, like usually we have like a plan, like you train to peak at like world championship, you train to peak at like different competitions. So we were all ready to peak then and then uh, we end up on vacation. So I think we all need that time off. Mental health is very important. And I think we need that time to reset and to get a fresh start. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to know when our next event is so that we can start planning. But uh, even if I don't know, I'll probably start skating like a week or so or two weeks just because it's fun. It's refreshing. It'll be nice to be with my friends again because as of right now, we can't see anybody here in Quebec. So that's the only way I can. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
who knows what's next, especially with COVID. So we are looking forward to some opportunities to be able to compete, to play the game we love. Um, it's also another thing like with sponsorships uh, financially, if you don't get to play those events, there's definitely less opportunities and for the companies we're a bigger risk. So we have to realize there's financial consequences. So all of that too. So adds a little stress too, but I guess we're all really good at managing all that, but definitely looking forward to some of these showcase what we can do again, compete and just have fun. Uh, as are all of we, we're also looking forward to seeing those pads in action, by the way, too. So extra bonus. Yeah, I was so excited for them. I was like a little kid and like there was miscommunication between where it was delivered. So I was running around the rink for hours trying to find them, couldn't find them. They ended up being delivered to the hotel, got to the hotel. Somebody picked them up to bring them back to the arena. So I was like chasing them the hotel. They're like, somebody picked them. And I was like, what do you mean somebody took my pads? And I was just like on the phone and I finally found them. So it was definitely, uh, I was like as excited as it could be. And it's really hard as a goal to not post them right away. And I was like, you know what? I'm not posting them. I'm going to wait for people to see them. And then, yeah, then the plans just. I know we were kind of waiting too. So, and then, and then we saw Brad's post. We're like, ah, we better get this done. Yeah, I know. So when Brad asked, I was like, at this point, I was like, you know what? People can have, can see them, like talk about them. And I know it's a good throwback for a lot of people. I know Zach Fukali posted about his too that he had back in the day. So that was pretty fun to see like how many memories it brought up for so many people. Well, the next time we get to see in action, we'll be cheering for the hockey itself, not just the pads you're wearing. So we look forward to that. And Renee, thank you so much for spending the time on the Ingo Radio podcast today. This is an interview that I know everyone is going to enjoy and can take something from. So I appreciate you spending the time at such a difficult time catching up with us. My pleasure. It's always fun to talk goalie things. Great conversation, uh, and she is on the, the the fish question when when you asked her about is the fish uh, dance and stuff. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, what he, which is either we're spending a lot of time together and we're really getting to know each other, or is slightly concerning that we're spending so much time together and we're we're starting to think the same. But I was absolutely on board with you uh, asking about that. Well, again, people aren't going to get to see the interview; they'll just hear it. But it absolutely over her shoulder at her parents' cabin, as she talked about, it looked like one of those ones that it's about to start singing at you. Know the tail flaps and it starts telling <laughs> yeah. you a story. For sure, it looked like that. I had to ask. <laughs> uh, there's uh, so much in there, uh, including the gear, and you have uh, all the photos, uh, all the uh, multimedia uh, regarding her new set of gear. Yeah, we do. We actually were supposed to have it exclusively before it launched but with a couple of things happened first of all the world championships got canceled and um no pictures had emerged yet we knew she had the gear we had our own images of it but no pictures had emerged and we thought maybe she wanted to wait until the next till they re-announced the world championships to unveil it so we were waiting patiently and then as she mentioned brad kirkwood uh, the goaltending coach released some videos showing it uh, the goal in that it had some images about it, uh, showed the toe caps, the Berdur-esque toe caps and the leather straps she talked about in his images, but we were still kind of sitting on releasing the whole set. And then the second thing that happened, uh, she changed phones amidst all this back and forth. So my messages about, hey, so what are you thinking? When do you want to do this? Kind of went into nowhere. And I thought, oh. and when I didn't get a response, I thought, oh, she's really upset about the world championships. And she doesn't want to talk about this right now. So I just took that as a cue. And it turns out she just wasn't getting the message because as you can hear, 
as much as she was upset, and rightfully so for how it all went down, she rolled with it. And it didn't mean she wasn't going to spend 45 minutes with us talking about goaltending a week later um, because she has that passion for and that ability to sort of bounce back and move on from things. But I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought maybe she's like, okay, she doesn't want to talk equipment. She's not talking to me. She's not responding to my texts. I'll just leave it be. And it turns out she actually changed numbers in that two to three window period where we were going back and forth on this. So um, we still got it called ghosting. Isn't it called probably not the first pro goalie to change their phone number because Woody had it. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's that. I thought I was getting ghosted. That's true. But uh, I should I should have known better because she's such a good sport. Uh, Brodeur and I think 2002 Salt Lake City uh, that that's what comes I know that wasn't the inspiration behind it uh, it was her own experiences but when I see that boy do I go back to the to the celebration uh, in Salt Lake City and as she said that was the first time in her mind she got the, a picture of hey this is how it's going to look with our Canadian jerseys yeah. I thought that was pretty cool Awesome. Uh, anything else happening over at uh, ingoalmag.com? Uh, you mentioned the Chris Dreger uh, conversation and uh, going through practice. Uh, this, is, uh, this is an interesting point of the year as the pro teams start to wind down. Yeah, and an interesting time of year for us, bit of a transition because you've got guys that are wrapping up a season and probably need a break. You've got guys gearing up for playoffs. And so little tougher to get guys for the pro reads and things like that but don't worry we've got enough bank we got a new one up with eric comrie this week and and we're going to continue to add to that and expand that list of guys um give them a little break as their season ends and then hit some of these guys back up to continue to build up not just i mean we got enough to get us through the entire year but we're going to continue to work to add some of these new names add names you haven't seen get new takes new opinions um we've got a few things up there like you said from chris dreiser we got some more coming we had Eric Comrie on the pro reads this week. New Manitoba Moose all-time wins yes. record holder past some guy named Corey Schneider, not shabby company that Eric Comrie finds himself in. Um, we've got that. We've got a big feature coming up on uh, Spencer Knight and USA Hockey. Um, I did a quick look at it for NHL.com, but I've got a deep dive on it, talking to a number of the names, including Ryan Miller, um, other American goaltenders that were part of a Zoom meeting on New Year's Eve to watch Spencer play at the World Junior Championships, and all of them celebrated his first win in the NHL. And now another start, I think, even tonight, uh, on the day we're recording this. Who's going to get another start? He's already got two wins. He's carving out a bigger role with that team than I think even the team expected. Um, And he's certainly carved out a massive role in terms of USA Hockey and the efforts it's making to try and grow the position. We'll get into that this week at ingolmag.com as well. So just to jump off that, he took over from Sergei Bobrovsky the other night and locked down the win. Yep. Uh, he has a coach who's not afraid to switch goaltenders or change things up in the midst of, uh, of intense times in Joel Quenville with the Chicago Blackhawks. Remember the Scott Darling going back and forth with Corey Crawford. I don't know uh, whether it'll ever get to that point, but having three options uh, at your fingertips could make for some, uh, some real live goalie drama with the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup plan. Just saying, keep an eye on it. All right, so how about I give you something else to keep an eye on? Not that this okay. podcast isn't long enough already, but uh, if you're the Seattle Kraken and they are mm-hmm. going to pay their fee this week and officially be in the NHL and, and making deals, and you see the Florida Panthers with all that talent, I mean, they are a wagon of a team. 
Yeah. And a $10 million goaltender that they're actually winning without sometimes versus with. What do you, do you ask the question? Absolutely. What would it, what would you give us as a sweetener? Yeah. To grab Sergei Bobrovsky. And then if you're the Seattle Kraken, do you then look, cast an eye north to the Vancouver Canucks who are, have blown negotiations here, frankly, with goaltending coach Ian Clark, who got, got Bobrovsky to his best with the Columbus Blue Jackets and those two Vesna trophies. Do you bring that act together? in expansion and get yourself a really good player to go with it for taking the contract. Um, man, there are worse ways to make a splash than to get a Vesna trophy goaltender and find a way to get him back to the level where he was winning those Vesna trophies. Uh, and I just, something that bounced into my head this week. And so now I'll throw it out into the ether for the Ingle audience to absolutely smash me over the head with it when it doesn't happen or how ridiculous it is. But just a thought I had. Oh, that's the kind of stuff the conspiracy stories are made of, Woody. That's a fantastic one. Putting the, from from the guy who said Carey Price to Seattle when they first got their expansion team five years ago. I was going to bring that one up as well, and that's certainly one that we've we've heard coming up in the in the news recently as well. Others speculating whether that's a possibility. Uh, just a, a note: uh, no move clause for Sergey Bobrovsky had to have been negotiated well, and Carey uh, as well with the player. So right. yeah, uh, so just uh, just wanted to move that uh, before anybody says <laughs> that's exactly the way they sound too. Well, that's kind of it's kind of how I sound most of yeah. the time. Let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks, guys. This has been lots of fun, uh, and a real uh, thank you to Anne Renee Debian. That that story about being cut because coaches didn't want to develop uh, a, a female goaltender, and then being too good for the other league, and parents being upset. Uh, just the, the life's really difficult as it is, and it offers challenges. We don't need that BS. And uh, thank you for sharing that, uh, Anne Renee, and appreciate it. And maybe that can inspire the rest of us to, to be a little bit more accommodating as we go through this uh, wild journey uh, of real life. Uh, thanks to the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Cam and the gang uh, do such a wonderful job. And looking forward to the Sense Arena VR Skills Competition and Woody posting his scores. It'll be awesome. You know, you know, you guys will have to do it in real time, like against each other. So I can judge and watch the two of you and make sure that you're actually uh, submitting the right scores. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll track that. Yeah, I, I know. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm sorry, but I can't wait to see this. This is the, uh, this is the NASCAR effect. I want to see the pile up in turn three. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Uh, be safe, everybody, and uh, be well. As we roll on on uh, the 2021 In Goal Radio, the podcast.